Lord, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was first a pastor nearly 25 years ago serving at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Belvedere, I was teaching a Bible class and I was talking about some of the parables of Jesus and I remember sharing this particular parable that Nancy just read to you and uh, there was an older gentleman in the class who told me that today that Bible story makes it clear that everyone who is saved gets the same reward in heaven whether they're saved at age 10 or age 80. And then he said something that kind of surprised me. He said, Pastor, let's face it. Being a Christian is hard. It requires me to stop doing things I'm not ready to stop doing. So I think I'm going to just wait until the last hour before I sign up to work in the vineyard. Well, being the well-trained young pastor right out of the seminary, I objected with that. I said, but there's no guarantee that you'll have a chance to make the choice in the final hour. And the man said, oh, come on, pastor, of course I will. If that thief on the cross can come get saved at the last minute, so can I. You see how dangerous it is to know just a little bit of the Bible? See, the idea of salvation and grace and the Christian life that this man was espousing is way off the mark. The point of this parable is not to encourage us to wait as long as possible to accept Jesus. Rather, the point of this parable is to teach us about <coughs> God's generous grace and how it's at work in our lives and how we can get in on it as soon as we can and as often as possible. Now, I want to take you back to that story a little bit and put it in kind of a historical perspective. Now, just like we see laborers today, and there are different places, I'm sure, that you could probably drive any number of places here around the Texarkana area, and you could probably find laborers who are standing around, gathered in one place, and they kind of wait to be hired for a day. And the same thing was going on in first century Palestine. And the reason they did this, this was their sole means of support, and it was to be hired as a day laborer to work in the fields. Today they might come to work in the fields or they may come to pick pecans, they may come to you know, haul a little gravel, they, on whatever job they can find. So it's common for these guys to gather in the marketplace and they waited to be hired by a farmer or uh, some vineyard owner. Now the typical pay was a day's work, or for a day's work was a denarius. Now, a denarius was not a, a whole lot of money, but it was enough to feed your family, at least for that day. Now, if a man was not hired in the first hour, which would be like at 9 o'clock in the morning, or 6 o'clock in the morning, the day wasn't lost because they could stay there. Uh, it was not uncommon for vineyard workers or other people to come back to hire more people throughout the day if it got necessary. For example, if they were harvesting and it looked like there was a storm coming, they might come back into town, hire a bunch of more people to get all the crops in before the storms did come. So workers who wanted to work stuck around for a second chance. 
So when Jesus was telling this story, this parable, you know, this earthly story with a heavenly meaning uh, about a landowner who hired, kept hiring people to work in the vineyard throughout the day, people were probably nodding in agreement. Yeah, seen that. Makes sense. They'd seen it happen many times before. And when Jesus said, and I will pay you a denarius for the day, and he sent them to the vineyard, that made sense to them as well because a denarius was the wage for a day's work. And even when Jesus told, uh, said that the landowner hired more people and said, go work in my vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right, that too made sense. Now where the story takes a really odd turn, where you know the story's kind of going right down the middle and all of a sudden it takes this little sharp right angle turn, is when he's ready to hand out the pay packets at the end of the day. He tells the foreman to pay the people who came last. Remember, it said at the 11th hour, they're hired like at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. They worked one hour. And he paid them what? A full day's pay. Now, it goes without saying that those guys were probably absolutely thrilled. An hour's worth of work in the fields, they got a full day's pay. But then when he got to those guys who'd been out there since 6 a.m., who'd slaved all day in the sun, and they found out that they got a full day's pay. Well, cranky would not be quite the right word. Upset, a little bit ticked. I mean, can you imagine? I can even hear you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Why do guys who only worked an hour or two get the same amount of money as we get who worked 12 hours? Now, I love the landowner's response. He's his friend. I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same thing as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do with my money what I want? Then he adds this. Or are you envious because I am so generous? Kind of reminds me of two funerals I did back to back, a Thursday and a Friday at a previous church. One man had been a member of that church for his entire 70-some years. The other man had only come to faith in about the last few years of his life. And we did both services in the church, virtually the same order of service with the exception of maybe hymns and scripture readings. And I remember the following Monday, the grieving widow came in and was extremely upset with me. She wanted to know why I would give this other woman's husband the same sort of Christian funeral that I had given her husband, who had been faithful some 75 years, when everybody else knew that this other man had been a bum and a cheat for most of his life and had only been a Christian for a short time period of time. Life was not fair in her estimation. That's why this morning I want to go and take a look and see what it means to live in the grace of God. Because I think all of us sometimes need to be reminded that even though it doesn't look fair, it is fair because it's what God has chosen to do. So let me share with you this morning three ways to live in the grace of God. Here's the very first way. Open your eyes to the generosity of God. Open your eyes to the generosity of God. 
if you listen to this story, who are the winners? Guess what? Everybody in this story wins. I mean, at the very least, some of the workers were given a decent day's pay for a decent day's work. And in addition to the workers who were paid fairly to work all day, some others were on the receiving end of an even better deal uh, because God is never unfair. In fact, what do you know about God? God is often unexpectedly and inexplicably generous. Now, I've heard some people uh, criticize some pastors because they talk too much about the blessings of God and the benefits of following Jesus. And I've heard people say, you know, enough of this what's-in-it-for-me kind of preaching. Instead of talking all the time about what God's done for you, let's talk about what you should be doing for God. Now, I want to make something perfectly clear this morning, friends, because I don't want to give any of you that are here today the wrong impression. When it comes to doing something for God, I'm pretty sure that you all know where I stand on that issue. And if not, I'm going to tell you. We could all, all the way from Jason back, all the way back to the back end, could all be doing a whole lot more for God. And guess what? We should all be doing more for God. Every person in this room could love God more, they could serve God more, they could give God more, they could do more. But I want to make something perfectly clear. When it comes to your relationship with God, if you think your relationship with God is some sort of a 50-50 proposition, if you think your relationship with God is somehow a fair pay for an honest work kind of arrangement, then you have never ever experienced the grace of God. That's because your relationship with God is not a partnership. It's not a contract between equals. It's, it's, the basis of your relationship with, with God will always be that he does much more for you than you can ever do for him. 1 John chapter 4, 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. Now, God doesn't love us because one day he happened to spot us down here loving on him. I mean, God didn't look down from heaven one day and spot, you know, this dear young lady over here and say, Oh, Courtney, man, I could use somebody like her on my team. I'd be lucky to have her. Well, the truth is, friends, God has given you more than you could ever deserve. And what I'm hoping you'll walk away with today and hang on to is the idea that God is a generous God. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. And I want you to recognize that in our relationship with God, there are many times when we receive a day's pay for a day's work because God is never less than fair. But you know, there are also many more times at the end of the day when God is profoundly gracious to us and generous and merciful and compassionate when we haven't put out our best effort. See, I encourage you to be on the lookout for those moments because when you open your eyes to them, you're going to find uh, God's blessings everywhere. Now, like you, there have been many times in my life when I have been blessed. In fact, I, I feel like the one guy one time who he said his socks had been blessed off. He blessed my socks off. I'm not sure what that meant. But I, I think that just meant that he was, had a whole lot of blessings. And sometimes I've been so blessed, I sit there and I ask myself, what did I do to deserve that blessing? I mean, did I have something on my prayer list that I've been praying for a long time and 
God finally decided to answer my righteous prayer of faith? Or, or am I blessed because this is payback for the one time I accidentally dropped a $20 bill in the plate instead of the usual 10? You know, I'm being a little bit facetious here, but maybe you get the point. We have a tendency to try to earn everything that God gives us. We ask ourselves, what did I do in order to get this? Well, friends, you didn't do diddly. That's a good biblical word, isn't it? Diddly. I mean, you didn't do diddly to get what God is giving you. God wants to give you and me more than we could ever earn, more than we ever deserve. If you want to live in the grace of God, first of all, you need to believe in the generosity of God. Our God is a generous God. Our job is what? Accept it. Accept the fact that God is a generous God and wants to bless his people. Here's the second thing. Make yourself available for his blessings. You know, the men who didn't get hired in the first hour of the day, the ones that didn't get hired at 6 o'clock in the morning, they chose to stay. Why? Just in case somebody else came later and hired them. I'm sure they probably sat there and, you know, when the first wave got hired, probably sat around and said, oh, rats. <laughs> we didn't get hired. But even though we've lost the chance for a full day's pay, maybe we can still get in a few hours worth of work. Maybe we can earn just enough to at least put uh, an evening meal on the table. Now, these men were not lazy men. I've heard Bible commentators say that this is an example of lazy people. I don't think they're lazy at all. I don't think they were avoiding work. I mean, if, if they were uh, trying to avoid work, they'd have gone home to take a nap or go hang out at the local pub or drink coffee with their buddies. Instead, they stayed there. They were hanging on to this possibility that somebody would come, give them a chance to do at least an hour's worth of work. And guess what happened? They not only got one hour's worth of work, they got a whole lot more. These guys got a full day's pay. And it happened, why? Because they were positioned for one good thing, and an even better thing happened. One of my favorite comedians is Woody Allen. I don't know, for some reason, I was enamored with Woody Allen. But he said something uh, that fits here. He said, you know, 90% of success is just showing up. And it's certainly true in the, market, in the marketplace. I mean, some people would be far better employees if they just showed up for work, on time, did their job. You know, 90% of being a student is just show up, be there, do what's asked of you. But you know what? It's also true in our spiritual life. I'm going to give you a personal example of just being in the right place to receive a blessing. Uh, when I first started playing football in high school, I discovered very early in the very first game that the coach often sends in the guy who's standing closest to him when he needs somebody new. Now, I was an untested freshman in high school when in the very first game and in the first quarter, somebody got dragged off the field. They were hurt, and the coach was looking, and he looked at me, and he said, get in there. So I got in there. Now, this explains why, as a freshman in high school, I entered the game as an offensive lineman, a wide receiver, a safety, a running back, and a linebacker, even though I had never practiced any of those positions before I'd been sent out on the field. Now, I didn't know exactly what I was supposed to do on each play, but at least I was on the field, and I lettered in football as a freshman. 
Now, I give you that example because if you want to experience the fullness of God's generous grace, He can't bless you when you're hiding at home. You've got to be available for the blessings of God. Now, I'm sure that there's some people here today who are in desperate need of the blessings of God. You know, maybe you're struggling with some sort of sin. Maybe you're struggling with some sort of guilt. Or maybe you can't escape the feeling of God's absence in your life. Or maybe your marriage is on the rocks or your, your financial life is a mess. You just need to experience the overwhelming generosity of God. Now, I can't tell you the day or the week or the hour that God's blessing is going to appear. But I can tell you this. It can only happen if you remain available. Like, I want you to learn to start asking yourselves these questions. Am I in a position to be on the receiving end of God's generosity? Can God bless me where I am right now? And guess what? If he can't bless me where I am right now, maybe I better move to where it is that God could bless me. I mean, if 90% of success is simply showing up, where do I need to start showing up spiritually? Where do I need to start showing up emotionally? Where do I need to start showing up physically? Now, the would-be workers who gave up too soon that day missed out on the blessing. So what are we supposed to do? Well, I think one of the very first things I, I told you to do was, you know, our God is generous, accept it. Here, I would tell you, God wants to give you a blessing, stay available. Here's the third thing I'll tell you this morning. Learn to share the joy of other people. Learn to share the joy of others. See, part of living in God's grace is allowing other people to live in God's grace. I mean, some of the workers at first considered themselves to be the lucky ones. They were hired early. They were promised a good wage for a day's work. They had a lot to be thankful for except they didn't like the idea of somebody getting a better deal. You know, the phrase in this little story that grabs me is one of the last lines in what Nancy read to you before. I'll read it to you again. Or are you envious because I am generous? Are you envious because I am generous? See, that last sentence pretty much sums it up. Some people just can't stand it that somebody else gets a blessing. I remember a discussion with a former high school student of mine who told me, when I was in high school, I was so jealous of my brother, the popular football star and the class officer, that I could not stand it. It absolutely ruined my senior year. Now, I might have understood that, except that she'd had the lead in the school play every year she was in high school. She actually finished like second or third in her class and gave either the valedictorian or the salutatorian speech at graduation. And yet she could say, I was so jealous of the attention my brother got that I couldn't enjoy any of it. See, that's how some of these workers were. That's called ungrace. And ungrace leads to misery. Now, I've lived long enough to know that there are going to be some times when other people get bigger blessings. There are times when people, at least superficially, who seem less deserving, wind up with more. 
I remember when I was first married, I don't know if Nancy remembers this, but I was on a bowling team. I remember bowling for Dick's Grocery. I was so frustrated bowling for Dick's Grocery because these guys consumed so much beer in three games, it was absolutely unbelievable. I, I discovered early on, I can either drink beer or bowl. I can't do them both. <laughs> but these guys could. I mean, they were just, I mean, they had Budweiser on night shift. And uh, they were drinking and they were cursing and swearing. I mean, every pin had a filthy name and they were kicking the ball return and yelling at the pin setters and everything. And they were bowling 180, 190. And I was just drinking a bottle of Pepsi and bowling 150. And it just didn't seem right. They seemed to be getting a blessing and I was getting stiffed. Well, that's the way it looks if that's the way you choose to look at it. The reality is you have received more grace than you've acknowledged, and while your blessings may be different, they are not less. See, the temptation for all of us, I don't care where you think you are as a Christ follower, the temptation is to be envious when somebody else receives a gift that seems better than anything else you have. But I encourage you to be gracious. Share their joy. Be thankful for God's goodness in others, even when you're not the primary target. You know what I think? If I never ever, if I never ever get another blessing in my life, I can still leave this life way ahead in the blessings department. Could you say that? If you never got another blessing from God in your life, could you say, it's okay, he's already blessed me beyond anything I could ever imagine. And this is not because of me, it's because of him. I mean, one of the key words to living in God's grace is the word open. And the word open is the opposite of what? Closed. See, when your eyes are closed, you don't see the generosity of God in your life. When your eyes are closed, you don't see the generosity of God in this world. You don't see the generosity of God in, in other people's lives. When your eyes are closed, you can only perceive how difficult things are for you today. Oh, poor little me. You know, we throw ourselves at personal little pity party. See, when your mind is closed, you don't, you don't have the courage to position yourself for a blessing by, by staying in the marketplace and waiting for a chance to work. When your mind is closed, you want to give up. You want to bail out. You want to go home. You want to say, feel sorry for yourself. When your heart is closed, you don't experience the joy of God's blessings in your life or in the life of other people. When your heart is closed, you always feel shortchanged and always feel resentful. That's why the key word is open. If you want your life to be filled with God's grace, then open yourself up to it. Open your eyes and look for evidence of his goodness and generosity. Believe me, it's not that hard to do. I'm sure I could sit down with every last one of you. Joseph, I, I know I could probably sit down with you today. I bet we could talk maybe 10 minutes or less and we could talk about if God has been good and gracious with you. And even if you came this morning feeling pretty crabby or cranky, 
within 10 minutes you go, yeah, you're right. The most hardened of you, I think, if we talked for 10 minutes, would have to at least say, yeah, God has been pretty good. I mean, to open your mind to the possibilities that exist in him. I mean, sometimes we sell ourselves short. We say, I can't do this. Big deal. I agree with you. You can't do it. But imagine what God can do with you. Imagine what God can do through you, for you, to you. You know, open your eyes and look for the place that you ought to be in order to receive his blessings. Open your heart to other people so that you can be thankful for the blessings that God has poured into their life. See, living in God's grace is not a competition. It's a celebration. You just need to, plain simple, learn to open yourself up to it. Look for it, stay in it, celebrate it. God's grace is there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will pry open our closed hearts and minds and open them so that our lives can be filled with your grace. We pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.